to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is the show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome, and let's get started. Hello, listeners. I am back and refreshed after a week down on the Gulf side of Florida. Sun, sand, water, golf, and lots of good food. Man, it was sweet down there. I highly recommend a visit if you haven't been there. This week, I have the great pleasure of interviewing Mark Jackson, a man whom I count as one of my best friends for the past 20 years. We've been through male initiations and supported one another on our respective heroes' journeys, and I have sat with him over countless coffees and laughs around Manhattan to discuss the deeper issues and challenges that we face as men. And when I first became friends with Mark, we were both die-hard liberals. Everything seemed fine back then, but communism and Marxism were shape-shifting and moving along the American landscape, and both Mark and I started to sense something darker and sinister unfolding here in our own country. This episode is really the first part of a primer on Marxism in America, not a scholarly expression, mind you. Neither Mark nor myself feel qualified for such a deep dive. The episode is meant to show how two friends see what is becoming an obvious threat to our nation and its principles. The next episode I do will be an exploration of American Marxism and its impact on our education system, and it will be a deeper dive, something that I have an active interest in. Yes, the content is dark and heavy, but I believe it is necessary to warn you, my dear listeners, particularly if you have young children. Anyways, here is my friend Mark Jackson and I, two men talking around the campfire, so to speak. I hope you enjoy it. Mark Jackson is the senior film critic of the Epoch Times, whose film reviews can be found on Rotten Tomatoes and Flickster. He has been a professional actor for 25 years and is the official radio and television voice of the world-touring Chinese classical dance show Xin Yun. He is also the narrator of the audiobook, How the Specter of Communism is Ruling Our World. Here is my interview with Mark Jackson. All right, I am here with Mark Jackson, my friend, writer... New Warrior. Mark, welcome back to Basecamp for Men. It's good to have you on the show again. It's great to be back. It's good to hear your voice. Good to hear your voice. You know, you and I go way back. We have been close friends for a mighty long time. We both were deeply involved with the Mankind Project. You were actually very instrumental in creating Basecamp for Men and helping to get me started. And you were the first guest of base camp for men. Now I did three and aired yours as episode number two. Uh, and it was titled men and their heroes journey. It was a really excellent episode. And to show you how green I was back then, I actually made the huge mistake of, I forgot to include your bio. Uh, Cause I was so new to uploading episodes and I did your episode with no bio and you went, Hey man, where's my butt? And I was so, I was so mortified that one of my best friends did this episode, brought me into, into the podcasting world. And then, and then it just, because I was such a newbie, I forgot the bio. So, uh, you know, that I learned my lesson. I have not forgot a bio, nor will I forget your bio on this one, but I so appreciate uh, everything you've done for the show and helping to get me started in a medium that um, that I didn't know I was going to enjoy so much. So thank you so much for that. And and then you and I go way back and all those, you know, 10 years in New York and you and I, all the conversations and stuff, you were an actor and you were in health. I was in health. Who knew you and I were both going to be really prolific writers? You just cranking out film reviews with the Epoch Times and me with the podcast. I mean, 
I can't, I look back on it sometimes. I can't even believe that you and I ended up taking the road we did both with men's work, but also as writers, you know, did you, did you foresee that? I certainly did not foresee it way back then. That was actually, you know, when I was in college and I was really not sure what I wanted to do. Most of my professors said, well, yeah, I might think about writing. And mm. I, I just never put any stock in it. And I became an actor instead, but right. Uh, right. You know, looking back, I was like, oh, there was that thing. Yeah. Um, but I always knew, I always knew that you, you could do this because you, you just, uh, this is the talent that you have. You, you, you talk, you're very articulate and you, you talk well to people and, and, uh, people like to listen to what you have to say. So I knew you, I knew you'd end up doing something like this. That's awesome. Well, I thank you for that. Um, you know, you and I have had similar journeys in that we're both longtime traditional liberals, educated in universities, you know, just the whole live and let live diversity is great and tried and true. I was a tried and true liberal for 30 years, but then the left started to put other things in there, this whole woke agenda, all the wokesters, uh, the conformity of the left, um, you know, what did you notice how, you know, and I, and I remember we're going to talk all about um, the book that you did the audio book for how the specter of communism is ruling our world. And I remember you were really instrumental in my awakening to Marxism because you started sending me, you said, Hey, have you checked this out? And it was YouTube videos on cultural Marxism. And I was like, what the hell is cultural Marxism? I never thought there was any kind of problem with Marxism back then. And I started clicking on it and it was like, oh, shit, like, what is, oh, my God, you know, and, you know, what, what, what was your awakening like? Was it because you were working for the paper and there, you know, there's a lot of expats from communist China at the Epoch Times. So you get steeped in a particular way of looking at communism that most Americans don't get. But did you. Did you just, you know, what was your awakening like? You're in a very liberal city in New York City, so there's the, the wokesters are all over the place. How did you move into a more sane, I don't want to say libertarian because I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what was your kind of trajectory like? Because you and I were both firmly over on the left, not that long ago, really. Right. Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, that's... Yeah, I, I came from. You really couldn't have a more liberal background than I did. Yeah, <laughs> you know, hippie artist parents, like like original hippies, East mm-hmm. Coast uh, hippie artist intellectuals, with uh, you know their their um, their friend group was was all classic hippies, so dropouts of Harvard and Yale and Princeton, and uh, you know back to the land, yep. and we lived on actual communes, two of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and and uh, I mean, my parents, both of their stories is just uh, just just so classic liberal. But that's when it was sweet, though, right? It was kind of sweet. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. Was yeah. 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 I mean, I think I've told you before. Like, we got stuck in the actual the the traffic jam going to the original Woodstock, mm-hmm. and and I'm glad we did because knowing my mom. Had had we got there, that you know the class the album cover of What's Luck with the two little naked kids. Yeah, like, that would have been you. me and my brother <laughs> <laughs> covered in mud, probably right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you know, plus and then like I remember 
I mean, I, I was a philosophy major in college, and and when Jimmy Carter brought back the draft, you know, I did a whole treatise on on becoming a um, conscientious, conscientious objector. objector. I wrote this long treatise, and I, I was all proud of it and stuff. And you know, sure. look, looking back on it, I was like, oh my god. Um, but uh, so so then, yeah, you know, I started working for the Epoch Times, and when you talk about awakening. Um, I was actually sort of dragged kicking and screaming because we had to, at the paper, we had to do a five month um, period of sort of deprogramming from the communism that seeped into America and that we don't realize. And that's the thing about market Marxism is that it comes in under the radar. It's yeah. super, super sneaky. Yeah. You know, so I didn't even know um, the extent to which it like gets in there and starts sending out roots. And, and, uh, um, so it was looking at films like, you know, of people of Yuri, Yuri Bezmanov, mm-hmm. you know, Marx and Engels had the whole thing of, uh, workers of the world unite. Yeah. And they thought that the first world war that, that there would be, you know, all the different countries would, would want to think about their their sovereignty and and or they wouldn't think about that and they would join together and mm-hmm. then the first world war didn't that's not what happened so Marx and Engels said well we got to go back to the drawing board and figure this out and then Antonio uh, Gramsci came up with the whole idea of the the long march through the American institutions and that was really what did it for me you know just that that uh, have this planned you know step by step agenda of getting into all the different american institutions you know the law the church education everything and then rotting it morally from the inside out yeah you know and if you look at that list of things that they came up with and i don't i don't know what year it was maybe in the early 50s it's like they achieved all of those things and de- totally destabilized the moral foundation of america and so that's that's where we're at well and and you were the uh voiceover for the audiobook of the epoch times uh great book uh it's a two-part it's it's titled How the Specter of Com- Communism is Ruling Our World. This is a must read for people, especially people that might be, you know, like, huh, what are you talking about? We don't have communism here, right? And uh, to your point, uh, Marxism is 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 shape-shifting. It's very sneaky. You think, oh, no, it's, you know, it, it's it's the things they're doing in the, cele- the celebrities are doing is fine, or the things that they're doing in gender fluidity, uh, training for kindergartners is completely fine. Uh, and it just keeps, the bar keeps going lower and lower and lower. And, you know, prepping for this, I was like picturing, I was reading the books and I'm like, oh my God, this is such dark matter. Just to give the listeners an idea, the, the title is How the Specter of Com- Communism is Ruling Our World. The word specter, I looked it up, means some odd object or source of terror or dread, which I think is a really good word to put in the title. Um, and as I'm reading it, I'm picturing you um, narrating the audiobook. And when we first got on this call, I'm like, did you, did they shorten up the audiobook or did you actually read this two part book? And you went, no, I, I, I word for worded it. And my first question about that is how long did that take? And 
what kind of impact did that have on your consciousness? Like, did, I mean, for me, I would have had to kind of shower after doing work because I'd have been like, I feel like I'm absorbing some of this Marxist, you know, it's, it's pointing to the thread of it, but I found myself just like, I could only read so much. And I'm like, Oh my God, I got to put this down and go get some fresh air. This is like stressing me out to read it. Um, what, what was the impact for you and how long did it take to, to narrate the books? Uh, it took about a year and a half just because I, you know, um, I had to work it into the rest of my schedule. So I did two, about two sessions in the recording booth per week over a year and a half period of time. And, you know, some, sometimes, you know, I'm not a working actor anymore, so I don't, I don't work on my voice daily like I used to. So I'd, sometimes I go in there, I wouldn't have any voice and we'd have to cancel the session. And, uh, so there, you know, there were a bunch of stops and starts, but, um, uh, you know, for me, it was, it was an acting job. So, um, the, the sort of thing that you're talking about of, of the it influencing me or making me depressed, I didn't, I didn't have that. It was because mm. it was more objective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's sort of in hindsight, I was like, I'm really glad I did that because I don't, uh, it would have been so hard for me to drag myself through the book. Um, oh, yeah. It, won't, oh, yeah. it won't be for other people because they're more, most people are more uh, politically minded. You know, my, my whole thing was, um, you know, I, my dad was sort of a classic, read the newspaper all the time, have M- MSNBC and CNN on constantly. And, yeah. and he sort of had a challenging sort of thing of, you know, um, being up on all the issues and I kind of rebelled against it yep. um, growing up. And so my thing was, I'm going to ask the bigger questions. I'm going to ask the the more philosophical questions first. Like yep. I want to get that out of the way because I've, I've always felt like if I can't say what the big questions are, like, you know, what is the cosmos? Why, how did it come into existence? Is there God? Is there life after death? Is there karma and reincarnation? You know, if you, if you can't have answers to these things, then uh, all the rest of it is, is just, you know, or if you, if you can figure that out, then you don't have to sweat the small stuff. Exactly. I, I never wanted to be constantly having to be up on all the issues and the sneakiness of the FBI, <laughs> who's doing what to whom and what's yeah. up to. It just drives me nuts. And it's always depressing. Yeah. That, that it's, it's uh big picture, big questions first. I think that's really good. That's a really good insight. I think I've also kind of had that inclination. Like I do a lot of rabbit hole investigating into stuff that's pretty edgy and without having the bigger questions as a meta narrative and hero's journey and the divine and how, how are we emerging as humanity? Um, it would be too depressing. And I would be one of these people that, that, you know, I think if you get down rabbit holes in certain topics, and this could be one of them, you know, the threat of communism, the threat of cultural Marxism, people could say, Oh, you're, you're getting down a rabbit hole, even though the evidence is, is very abundant but without a meta narrative that um, is pro humanity or pro God or pro divine, however you want to say that pro spirit um, it, you can get where I, I don't want to say anything about your dad, but it's, it's, you could get where you're, all you're doing is talking about how depressing the news is. And you're seeing a lot of that today. Right. 
Right, right. Yeah, that's that's meta narrative is a great word. That's actually where I was going with this is mm-hmm. that um, you know from the philosophical take on Marxism. Um, oh, and Spectre. That that was the main thing. The mm. uh, my my understanding of Spectre is that it's uh, you know if you go back to something like you know the King James Bible, like in the in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Mm. You know, you you come across the concepts of light and dark. You know, yeah. in in the creation, and then if you go to Taoism, you get. Uh, in the beginning was the Tao, and out of the Tao came yin and yang, and then out of yin and yang came the 10,000 things, which means, you know, all of creation. Um, and so it's these two extreme opposites. Um, you get it in Norse mythology. Uh, mm. there, there's Ganunga Gap, which is just the, the void, and then it, out of that comes Muspelheim and Nispelheim, which is like a fiery realm and a in a icy realm. Mm-hmm. You know, so you get these two uh, these two splits in in the created cosmos, and then so so my understanding of the specter is just the embodiment of the dark side. Mm-hmm. There's light and dark, and 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 communism is the is the manifestation in the human world of of all of the dark things in the cosmos yeah and that's that to me is the specter that's it, great. that's it, a it's great basically destruction you know? yeah yeah that's a great description i remember listening to your audiobook on it and you know it it there's times when it sounds biblical but to your point it's not just biblical it's it's tied to the light and dark in, in the cosmos and that this is this gets played out i think for me the you know, I always thought of Marx as a philosophy that was a you know maybe more harsh than the than the free market system. You know, it was a it, to me. I was educated as a liberal to think of Marx Marxism as a buffer that kind of spread the wealth around a little bit more. You know, tax the tax the rich, make really great education opportunities and healthcare and all that. All that was how I was educated on Marx. But the book shows that he was a deeply disturbed. You you told me at one point, hey, go, go Google uh, Karl Marx demonic poetry. And I did that. I was like, oh my God, this guy was a deeply troubled, uh, probably possessed individual. He was channeling something really dark in his philosophy and you know it got sort of taken up by the academic left to make it sound like hey this is all really good for humanity but underneath it there's a deeply anti-human element to it that i think the book really shows uh in living color that you can you i don't think you can come away from listening to your audiobook or reading the book without a deep appreciation of like no this is this is an ultimate evil. This is a, 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 a something that's dark that is trying to seep into every institution, to your point earlier, every part of the human experience. And then to make it even more confusing, it's almost like a, a mind parasite, almost like a script in the mind that it exists. So it's not just in the institutions, it becomes internalized as beliefs. And so 
it starts to chip away at what we think is good and beautiful so that you're like, well, no, I'm old fashioned if I um, am, you know, if I'm a stand for, you know, my liberty and my freedom in this country, if I'm going to stand for family values, that makes me like this outdated you know, conservative, if I believe in God, I'm outdated and, and, or, you know, and it, it, it's a weird trick that is played, uh, you know, and they say that the, the dark side or the, or, or is, is got a trickster element. And certainly you can see that in Marxism, this kind of shape shifting, Hey, it's totally fine. And then all the while there's this kind of agenda underneath it. I don't know if if that was something that you picked up really quick when you were doing the book or if it was taught to you by the, by your training at the newspaper that, Hey, this is uh, not what you think it is. Yeah, it was, it was those, those conversations and, and uh, the study um, because like you said, it's, it's, uh, it's designed to, um, to be sneaky. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, I was a philosophy major and I, I read the communist manifesto in college and I was like, yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's some powerful ideas here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, um, but it really was sort of zeroing in on, on who Karl Marx actually was. And yeah, he was deeply disturbed. And um, I mean, what he, where he ended up was, uh, I mean, there's a whole movement uh, called the of the Luciferians. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of the the whole concept is, you know, people. There's people who are just not happy with the idea that they are part of the creation. Mm. So they would like to be on par with the creator, and you see, you see that sneaking in through the New Age movement. Mm-hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. see all these people talking about no i'm i'm the creator i'm the co-creator of my existence i'm Mm -hmm. I'm a god um and there's even talk about uh rudolf steiner's anthroposophy might be luciferian Mm. um, because uh yeah there's there's a a general sort of unhappiness with the idea that that you you know we're just creation we we Mm. We do not get up to be on par with the actual creator. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and you're, you're seeing, you're seeing all that. One of the things I've noticed more and more since you you brought up the topic of, topic of Luciferianism is all of the symbolism around the the not just the celebrities and actors, the athletes, and all that one eyed stuff, and that you know that six 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 kind of okay over the eye and the every. I'm shocked at, at this sheer amount of volume of symbolism that seems to be pointing to that as a as a spiritual belief system that this kind of worshiping Lucifer, worshiping the dark side, uh, do what thou art, whatever their little phrase is that they like to say, basically do whatever you want to do. There's no karma. There's no repercussions. It's just you glorifying ego and yourself. And then they have, I don't know why they have to do all those, those hand sim- symbols. Yeah, like what's, what's, you know, I don't, is that some sort of like MK ultra programming or are they instructed? Like, how do they get all these like really famous actors and musicians, you know, Lady Gaga and all the different people to 
always every time they're photographed they make like these weird satanic luciferian kind of hand signs i'm like where's that coming from do you have any idea about that it's like it's just a really odd thing to me no i'm actually this is the first of i'm i'm hearing of that oh okay i haven't really followed you know i haven't gotten into the whole illuminati concept and um, I'm sure there's a whole mess of bad stuff going there, on. There is. You don't want to go there. I'll just tell you that. It's just weird. I just, I sometimes, weird. yeah, I just feel like what the hell is going on right now? What kind of thing is, is happening? But, you know, well, I mean, all of this, you know, Epstein and, and yeah. uh, Epstein Island and, and all the, the, the people who are on that plane going out there and just, yeah. It's a huge mess, but I, it just, you know, like we were talking about the, the meta concept of yeah. the mental narrative, it, this is all just the specter getting more and more of a handle on, on humanity and, mm-hmm. and messing things up more and more. Um, uh, I think it can all be traced back to that, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and you and I were talking about education, uh, you know, how this is affecting education, this kind of Marxist wokeism. Um, you know, I'm seeing it. I took my son out of public school uh, because they weren't educating him properly. The, the The math is a new math called Common Core that doesn't make any sense. It creates all this confusion and it creates really poor critical thinkers. They don't, they're not teaching traditional math in the public schools, it's like this dumbing down uh, where they can't, I mean, engineers aren't going to use common core math. Engineers use traditional, you know, geometry and math and calculus, all that stuff is still used by the people that are really using math. But the rest of the kids get this weird watered down. I don't know what it is. Parents make fun of it all the time. They're like, have you looked at common core math? I was a good math student. I can't make any sense of what they're saying. Um, and then they're not reading any books. They're not reading and writing. It's all ideology. It's all this kind of, Hey, we got pronouns. We got to cover. That's half the day. We got to cover all the different sexual identities and the, you know, all the trans options for kids. If you want to be a trans, if you want to change genders, we got to start that really early, like kindergarten, first grade, start talking to them about, you know, you might be a, a, a different gender and really pushing that. And then, you know, they call diversity and inclusion, which sounds good on the surface, classic cultural Marxist, you know, bait, bait and switch. But it's really critical race theory, which is like, you know, all people of a certain skin color, white or, or bad, racist, uh, you know. And if you're a parent uh, who goes down to the school board like I did to say, what in the hell are you doing? Uh, you get labeled as a domestic terrorist. Uh, because you're questioning they, their ideas don't uh, stand up to any kind of debate or criticism They're, they they just wilt it's just they start calling you names because you're saying hey what are you doing I want to know what's going on um, and so we pulled my son my 15 year old and put him in private school which thankfully we could we could do um, so that he could be educated in traditional math He's reading a lot of books. He's having to learn how to write. So he's getting now more of a traditional education. Um, But you and I were talking and you were saying it's happening at the Waldorf school where I was educated or Waldorf, which is based on uh, uh, Rudolf Steiner's work, who's always been just a giant 
amongst philosophers and people that just admire human, you know, high human thinking. And I was always so jealous of your upbringing in the Waldorf school. I was like, God, I would have loved to have been educated in myth because it's myth. From what I understand about Waldorf is they have this whole way of teaching, but myth and fairy tales are really important. And I thought, what a great way to educate young people, get them steeped in myth and, and fairy tales at a young age. But that's wokeism is even hitting Waldorf schools, I think, from your from your what you're gathering, right? Um, <clears throat> big time. Um, uh, I have uh, a good friend who's a uh, she's a second grade teacher, and she's just about to quit her job because of the craziness that's going on. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, you know, Steiner was a lot like um, Joseph Campbell. Yeah. Um, you know, who we owe kind of MKP to. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, like he went around and gathered all the fairy tales and stories from around the world and, and found out that, uh, you know, people from Belarus are telling the exact same fairy tale that people in Zimbabwe are telling. Yeah. We're, we're all humans. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, there's incredible wisdom in the, in the myths and the legends and the fairy tales. But, you know, uh, I mean, what I mentioned earlier about the the Norse mythology, like yeah. that's—I still remember that from fourth grade. You yeah, know, that's where I got that from. That's how powerful it was for me. But yeah. now they can't tell those things anymore because it's racist. <laughs> right, 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 right. Or how do you know? How do you know he was a man? It's like, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, with the whole the whole transgender thing, uh, like there was a thing in the in the book that just really cut through all the bullshit for me, which was. Yeah. Like, you know, there, there's a mental illness. I, I forget the name of it, but it's like there's a particular mental illness where some guy, he he hates one of his limbs. Like he yeah. hates his left leg. Yeah. He can't stand it. He, he can't live with his left leg. And he goes to the, the surgeon. He's like, I got to get, can you please amputate this? And the surgeon's like, you know, you might want to think about that. You kind of need your leg. It's a good thing to have. <laughs> yeah. like, no, no, I can't. It's depressing me. I'm so depressed. I can't live with this thing. So he gets talks the surgeon into cutting off his left leg. And here's the kicker. He feels better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like his life is now much more has more quality oh my so, yeah i mean all i had to do was hear that that was like all right that's it that's yeah. it yeah yeah um well mark thanks so much for coming on having the conversation a lot of juicy topics uh where can people find your ex how many how many film reviews have you done now do you do you have a total or no yeah it's up around six 40 something. Wow. You're prolific. 640. Uh, where do they find your film reviews at? Where's a good spot? Uh, you can just Google Mark Jackson, Rotten Tomatoes or Mark Jackson Epoch Times. Beautiful. Beautiful. And we'll, I'll get, I'll tell them where to find the book and the audio books probably on the Epoch Times website too, right? Or is that something that people go to uh, uh, Amazon and order? I think um, I think you have to Google the audio book. I think they're not trying to promote that. Um, okay. They're trying to sell more books, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. But uh, the audio, audio book was on iTunes. It probably still is. Okay. Um, but if you, if you Google it, there's also the uh, NTD television made a series of um, YouTube films. 
Okay. So it's basically the narration that I did um, with uh, some visuals, which is actually more powerful that way. Okay. Okay. I'll direct people that way then in the outro. But Mark, thanks so much for coming on. It was really great to connect with you again and make an episode. Um, keep up your great work. I love everything you're doing. And uh, let's do another episode at some point as this as things continue to unfold and, and maybe a topic appears that we really want to talk about. But thanks so much, brother. Really appreciate you and appreciate your time today. Well, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. Well, I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Mark as much as I did. The audiobook that he narrated and the books are titled How the Specter of Communism is Ruling Our World from the Epoch Times and the Editorial Board of Nine Commentaries on the Communist Party. And these writers are absolute experts and authorities on all things communist and Marx and how it is impacting us and threatening our future. You can find the book at www.theepochtimes.com and go to their store at Epoch's Shop. Go get yourself educated. It may change how you approach things like who you vote for or where you send your child to school. All very good food for thought. If you find value in our show and wish to show us some love, we are now making that very easy to do. You simply go to www.basecampformen.com and click on Donate Support Basecamp. You'll find an easy way to make either monthly donations for as little as $5 a month, or you can donate just once. We love the monthly donation and hope to build this up over the coming months, but any show of support is greatly appreciated, honestly. Thank you for your support and for helping to keep Basecamp as a resource on your hero's journey. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Men, good luck in all your endeavors and good luck on your hero's journey. This is Tony Rezac, and you're listening to Base Camp for Men.